Brew Strong is brought to you by Blickman Engineering, home of the top-tier brewing stand. Visit them online at BlickmanEngineering.com. for the beer radio you've been looking for. This is the show that dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think, Jamil Zainashev and John Palmer. This is Brew Strong. Howdy, hey, my Bruin brothers and sisters. Greetings, greetings. <laughs> Is that what you're going to do when you go down to New Zealand? You're going to greet them cretins? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It may have a couple of spears thrown at me. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> spears. Well, they got the Maori down there, you know. Yeah, uh, so uh, the people in New Zealand are, are quite a spear-chucking uh, people. Is that what you're saying? That and tongue-sticking, too. <laughs> You don't want somebody sticking their tongue in you. Is that what you're saying? Uh, it, it just stick, towards stick, you, I think, those, really. Oh. I don't believe there's any actual contact. Uh, there could be. I'll tell you what. You can find out March 18th, 19th, and 20th, 2016. You go down to uh, Nelson, New Zealand. It's 75 bucks New Zealand money, which I have no idea what that works out to be. It could be like a million dollars U.S. That could but, be. But... Uh, you get there. They, they got a crowdfunding campaign. They're gonna they're gonna have some early bird tickets, and uh, it's gonna be great. Are John, they in the you're Eurozone, going? Do you suppose? Are they what? Are they in the Eurozone? Do you <laughs> no, suppose? they're not. They're not. In the, okay. It's not part of the year. Uh, the uh, the Eurozone. It's not part of the uh, <laughs> <laughs> European Union. Um, American geography at its finest. Yes, yes. I think they're somewhere north of us. Um, <laughs> but you go. You get early bird tickets. Uh, apparently Tasty is going to be there. Palmer, you're uh, going to be there. Yeah, and I'll tell you, New Zealand is one of the most beautiful countries with the nicest people in the world. There are no people on the planet nicer than the people in New Zealand. Wow. That, that is a fact. That's not conjecture. That is <laughs> not, uh, that, that, that's fact. I will tell you this. Well, have that's you, saying something because I've Zealand? met some really nice people around the world. Have you ever been to New Zealand? I have not. I have. And I'm telling you, everywhere you go in New Zealand, the people are super nice. It's just the way they are. Very nice people. Beautiful country. Great beer. Um, you know, Free sheep for everyone. If you're, if you're going to New Zealand, you better not just be going for the three days, Palmer. You better be going for like two weeks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It is absolutely a lovely, lovely place. Uh, the website for this thing is www.nzhc.newzealand.nz. Uh, uh, so it's like New Zealand Homebrew Conference.nz. All right. So check it out. Uh, I would suggest supporting it and uh, having a lot of fun for your $75 New Zealand. That's cheap. Yeah. That's like a beer festival here. Sounds like, worth, like it's worth going. I think so, too. Yeah. Uh, so check it out. Um, what else have you been up to? Been keeping yourself well, out of trouble? Yeah, yeah. Been working on the next edition of How to Brew. Ah. I'm working on that. And, uh, you know, it's like every chapter I think, oh, yeah, this won't take too long. And then, of course, I spend a week on it. Um, you know, digging up new information, you know, new paragraphs, Um now, uh, I just got done spending like three days trying to extract how much protein precipitation uh, occurs as a function of uh, original gravity and um, for the hops utilization curve. Now, I was probably drinking at GABF, uh-huh. but it just it just came to me. Did we not promise Christy a new book by December yeah. 2016? <laughs> December 2016. Uh, yes. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't yeah, not think we gave year. her a date. Uh, no, we said she, we would do one, but she, I don't think we gave said, her a year. She said, uh, can you have it done by December 2016? 
Hmm. <laughs> and we just, yeah, that's what we did. We went, uh... <laughs> Well, if you'd finish up on this other book, we could get cracking on it. Yeah, if, if How to Brew More would be done soon, <laughs> All right. then the Zana Chef and Palmer team could get back to work. We could get cracking on a new one. Okay. People have right. been asking. Well, that should be done in a couple months. So we get, we get all of next this, year. This is why Palmer needs me. Yeah. I <laughs> crack the whip and make him get stuff done. Come on, John. Finish up. Okay. All right. Finish up. You get out your tissues, finish up. And we'll get on to uh, the next one. All right? Fair enough. That thing's already written. You know, you, all you need to do is pretend like you uh, you updated it. <laughs> kind of massage a couple of words here, there, a couple of pages. And then what, there's no qualifier on it saying 20% rewritten. It's just like, well, next edition. I'll rewrite it for so you. You're, yeah, you're a couple, just send it over here, right, Palmer. You're already done. It's a piece of cake. <laughs> you're done, Palmer. You're done. Finished. Just it's wrap that be thing. Oh, no. See, that's the problem people get into. They can't finish books because they can't, stop, can't stop editing them. Yeah. And then they never send them in. This is why you need somebody like me who really doesn't give a shit and just going to send in whatever crap I got done. You're right. I'll make the deadline, sure. They can no edit problem. it. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then they want it fixed up a little bit. Well, you have to give me more time. Or you can take the crap I gave you. <laughs> That's how I work. That's, That's the name of the new book, The Crap I Gave You. The Crap I Gave You. That's the working title. Yeah. Well, I don't know. We might polish that up a little bit. Like a couple of tweaks here and there. <laughs> the Crap We Gave You by Zanishev and Palmer. That's right. Everything you need to know because we gave it to you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking about uh, giving you what, you what you know or what you want, giving you what you need. That's right. How about our good friend John Blickman and Blickman Engineering, huh? Indeed. I tell you, they've given homebrewers uh, the highest quality of brewing equipment out there. They 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 are always, uh, you know, one step ahead on the on the genius chart of figuring out new ways to innovate your homebrew day. And yep. uh, I'll tell you, they do some amazing stuff, and I, I'm always very impressed with those guys. It, it's a it's a smart crowd. Yeah, As compared do. to the crowd I run around with, they run around with a smart crowd. <laughs> well, they do it because they're passionate about brewing. That's right. If Just you're like if you're passionate about brewing, get yourself over to BlickmanEngineering.com. Uh, check out all the good stuff they have. They also they'll be at uh, the Homebrewers Conference uh, in June in uh, Baltimore. That's right. Uh, and so you can see them there. But in the meantime, send them an email. Feedback at BlickmanEngineering.com. Tell them how much you love that they sponsor the show and anything else you want to feed them back. Uh, they'll appreciate it. All right. Uh, today we are going to do some Q&A questions. Normally I would consolidate them into like a category about MASH or something like that. But we got what we got, which is a collection of random <laughs> questions today. <laughs> and uh, I think that, uh, you know, hey, uh, at least they're they're fresh. These are fresh questions. These are yeah. not eight years old, like some of the questions we've been answering recently. All right, uh, let's do one. These are really fresh. This is dated October 11th. Eh? Eh? See? See? <laughs> All right, Sean writes in, Hey, guys, I heard somewhere that the late, great George Fix uh, used to rack his chilled wort to a corny keg. Which mm. was then, uh, which was immersed in an ice water bath, mm-hmm. uh, bringing the wort to 32F um, for some amount of time. Not sure how long. Then he'd rack the clean, uh, cleared wort minus the hot and cold break to his fermenter. Mm-hmm. Is this a worthwhile practice, especially for delicate styles like Pilsner? Well, I know you know George believes so, and um, you know. There was always this this thing about uh, well you know the the break material actually helps with you know the yeast health and fermentation yeah. and you'll get you know uh, Chris White is like well no 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 you know don't take any of the the break material out because you know you get better attenuation and all this and so you know which which one is it people want to know um, I'm not a fan of leaving it all in there and and George uh, if you I remember talking to him about this specifically, and he was saying that, you know, even if you chill it down to freezing, unless you're going to filter the beer at that point, or the wort at that point, 
you are not going to get all the coal breakout. There's still right. plenty in there. And so the amount that the yeast will use as nutrition, that's still there. Now, why then do you get better attenuation or faster fermentation with all that break material in there? I'm not sure if it's really that they're using all those additional nutrients um, or building more you know, cell wall uh, or cell, cell membrane with it, uh, mm-hmm. the sterols from it. I wonder if it's really just they're acting as additional nucleation sites, and so the CO2 is releasing. There's less, uh, you know, partial pressure of CO2 in solution, yeah. and therefore the yeast are a little more active. I don't know if, you know, because the, the concentration of CO2 will suppress the, uh, the yeast activity. Yeah. I, I've read a lot of papers on this topic uh, on the ASPC and MBAA, and um, I, I think... I think all of these factors contribute to, um, you know, to to a, a better, faster fermentation because of, you know, you have in, you have more nutrients, you have more fatty acids for the mm-hmm. uh, yeast to utilize, um, in, in their uh, uh, synthesization of sterols. Um, you have the increased nucleation sites for a CO two to help get that to come out of solution and and not have that uh, CO2 poisoning because, you know, it, is, it really is a waste product of the, of the yeast. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you start living in your own waste, you know, you slow down. Um, That's why Justin's so slow. I'm a very slow man. <laughs> um, so I think, you know, George was looking at, you know, an extreme case. And, and a, lot of, a lot of commercial brewers do this too where, the, you know, they try to make as clear a wort as possible. Mm-hmm. To reduce chill haze and, and to you know improve flavor stability down the line, mm-hmm. um, but uh, I think because if you have an excess of fats, yeah, fatty acids in your in your wort, and the yeast do not uh, take up all of it, or somehow you know all of it does not get bound up, right? Um, Those will oxidize, right? Yeah. You'll you'll you get faster staling on that beer. Is that not right. correct? That's right. So yeah, I think you know the 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 middle is the golden mm-hmm. zone um, where you know you if you don't if you don't take you can take some of it out you know and reduce you know your potential your you reduce your risk of staling down the line, mm-hmm. but you don't want to take all of it out because then you would start impacting you know the yeast nutrition. Um, yeah, but again, there's still lots. a considerable amount. What I always did when I was making lagers was. I would chill down to my fermentation temperature, and you know you get a certain amount of you know cold break formation at that point. Let that fall out. I would dump that, and then I would pitch my yeast. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't go you know down to thirty two, but I think going down to your fermentation temperature, letting that settle out, and then dumping that is worthwhile. Okay, and I think um, you know I wouldn't I wouldn't leave the entire amount of break material in in there from the kettle, but, um, I would do, uh, you know, uh, a, a bit. Yeah. A bit. I wouldn't worry about a little bit in there. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't try and get it all out of there, but I wouldn't just leave the whole mess from the kettle and all that in there. I'd try and dump the break material if possible. And the literature seems to suggest that the hot break material is where more of the nutrition is, um, mm. than the cold break. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, and that's where you know you you can either have way too much hot break in the in the in the wort, and that's called a turbid wort. Mm-hmm. Um, although they've you know the studies that I've read have shown you know good performance and and clear beer, low haze, good flavor stability with a very turgid wort mm-hmm. versus one that's been very very well clarified. So, um, I think only in extreme cases are you actually going to have a problem with it. Mm-hmm. All right. Good question. Let's take a short break. When we come back, we'll have more of your questions right after this. Are you looking for a simple brewing system that's great for all grain brewing, but everything on the market seems to be full of compromises? Blickman Engineering has the answer. The Blickman Brew Easy All Grain Brewing System. The Brew Easy is a complete system with easy upgrades and a beautiful compact design, perfect for any size brewing location. At its core, the Brew Easy is built on two gorgeous Blickman Boilermaker brew kettles, a high-temperature march pump, and either a top-tier gas burner or the new boil coil electric heater. The Brew Easy adapter lid allows the pots to stack 
stack on top of each other, forming an efficient, strong, and compact brewing setup that comes in 5, 10, and 20-gallon batch sizes. Upgrade your BrewEasy system with full automated control by adding a Blickman Tower of Power temp controller and make moving around easy with the Blickman Kettle Cart. The BrewEasy is modular. If you already own a Boilermaker kettle, you can build your BrewEasy by purchasing just the modules you need. The new BrewEasy all-grain brewing system. See it today at BlickmanEngineering.com and brew with Blickman quality on your new Brew Easy. Since the first time the Brewing Network microphones turned on, more beer was behind it. More Beer sponsors the programming on the BN because, like you, they love brewing. And like the Brewing Network, they love sharing their knowledge. MoreBeer.com isn't just a website to place your next equipment or ingredient order. MoreBeer.com also gives you access to free beer information that will make you a better brewer. Go to MoreBeer.com and click into the Learning Center. You'll find podcasts, technical facts, video tutorials, and more, including access to The Buzz, more beer social network of more than 5,000 members. And some of them might even be crazier about beer than you are. Get over to morebeer.com today and take advantage of the buzz, the forum, the learning center, and make sure you're signed up to receive the newest More Beer catalog. More Beer, bringing you absolutely everything for beer making. Do you know the three most important rules in brewing? Sanitation, sanitation, and sanitation. And no one does it better than Five Star Chemicals. Five Star knows sanitation. You can only sanitize clean equipment. And Five Star knows how to clean, too. For craft brewers and home brewers, Five Star has what you need to keep your fermenters, serving tanks, kegs and draft lines sparkling and free of any beer-spoiling bacteria. PBW, caustic, acid cleaners, star sand, Santa Clean, lubricants and defoamers, pH stabilizers, and more. Five Star Chemicals has cleaning supplies, safety supplies, heat exchangers, pumps, hoses, and valves. And Five Star is proud to offer eco-friendly products that exceed customer expectations. If you have a cleaning problem, you need the Five Star Solution. Visit FiveStarChemicals.com or call 800-782-7019. 800-782-7019. And get the Five star treatment today when i order a beer i want my server to know more about it than i do i want someone who enjoys good beer and loves helping others enjoy it too i want someone who knows how to pour a perfect pint for every beer style i want a cicerone the cicerone certification program is creating the type of people who help you enjoy great beer home brewers and craft beer lovers know beer is more flavorful and complex than ever and it takes some serious knowledge to store and serve beer right cicerones no beer there are three levels in the cicerone program certified beer server certified cicerone and master cicerone cicerones are truly the sommeliers of beer the best beer locations have a certified cicerone on staff relaxed and unpretentious cicerone are tested on storing and serving beer, beer styles, flavor and tasting, the brewing process and ingredients, and pairing food with beer. Learn more about your next beer guide at Cicerone.org. Certified Cicerone, because it takes top talent to present a perfect pint. Back to the beer guys that make other beer guys look like wine guys. Brew strong. All right, we're back. We're uh, going through some questions. If you have questions for Brew Strong, you can send them to Bruce Strong at thebrewingnetwork.com. And, John, I'll get to them uh, either right away or within 10 years. Yes. One or the other. <laughs> All right. Tim from Syracuse, New York, writes in, Once you guys mentioned that commercial brewers use canola oil in the fermenter to decrease, uh, decrease croissant in the headspace. If this is possible, How? Uh, he says, back in May, when I asked you this question for the first time, uh, <laughs> I brewed two batches with Westmall yeast, uh, basically a double and a triple from uh, Jamil's book. I added a quarter cup of canola, uh, canola into the fermenter after knockout. Beers turned out fine, but Croissant seemed the same as previous batches without the oil. So thanks for the shows. Uh, I would not be starting my brewery without them, he says. All right. Quarter cup of canola oil. If this is a homebrew size batch, that's a sh- load of canola oil. oil. Yeah. That is way too much. That is a lot. Did and we recommend that? I didn't no, remember recommending No, we that. did not. Okay. Um, <laughs> There's no way on earth. Here's what we said. 
Let me go back in time in the Wayback Machine, and I will repeat what I said is it's a canola oil-based anti-foam. It's ah. called Pat, Patco 376 or something like that. And what it is, it is made from canola oil. It isn't canola oil, just pour canola oil, you know, go to your, get some Westernality going. It, it is made from canola oil, and it's, it goes through a process that makes it quite funky. It's, it's thick. It's uh, very gooey. I use, I think it's 200 milliliters in 1,000 gallons. So a quart cup is quite a lot to put into something unless it's, you know, a good-sized batch. Uh, And it's a specialized product. And what happens is uh, a couple of things. That that keeps the the foaming down. You could use it in the kettle. You can use it in the fermenter. What's nice about it is you don't have to filter it out. You don't have to worry about, uh, you know, binding up somebody's organs or something with uh, your (laughs) anti-foam. And, uh, you know, it... um, the yeast can use it, utilize it also, as you know, we're talking about uh, you know fatty acids for sterile production. Um, they can use, utilize that as well. So there you go. Um, I I think that's it. Yes. Yeah. Did I answer the question this time? <laughs> if not, we'll try again next year. Well, Tim, I would add, if you're opening your brewery and you're thankful for this show and all we've done, consider becoming a sponsor. Don't forget about your old friends here at the Brewing Network. And when you open up and you want to help spread the word, give us a call. Yeah, don't be a cheap bastard. (laughs) All right, Rick from Seattle, Washington writes in, uh, I've been a small batch all-grain brewer for the past four years. I do one-gallon batches until I get a recipe down that I'm happy with, and then I bump it up uh, to two gallons. Limited to these batches because of uh, his small apartment, and he's the only one who drinks in his household. Which still seems like a small amount of beer to me. Yeah, I mean, that's that's an afternoon. <laughs> For the most part, I've been bottling my beer, though recently I purchased a two-and-a-half-gallon keg and have naturally carbonated one batch. I do not have a kegerator, so after it's carbonated, I have to put it in my regular food refrigerator and serve it via tap directly connected to a ball lock, quick disconnect, uh, pushing it with a small CO2 keg charger, that little cartridge, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my question is about calculating how much priming sugar to add for naturally carbonating in kegs. Uh, I've read on forums about needing half of the amount of sugar one would normally use for bottling uh, due to less headspace in a keg than a bottle. Um, for the one batch that I did keg, I used the same amount of sugar that I've been using for bottling. And... Um, Let's see. This seemed to work, though it was a bit uh, overcarbonated. In the future, I'd like to brew a two-gallon batch, bottle some of it, keg the rest. Uh, but in order to do this, I need to know some calculations to figure out keg headspace, beer volume, amounts of CO2, etc. Uh, and I don't really know where to start. Any advice on a calculator or how I go about calculating this? I think in general, um, you want to start with the same amount that you would normally use if bottling. Um, the remark about the difference in headspace is relevant. I don't think anyone's really modeled that, though, uh, in terms of, you know, so you, we could have a calculation to give you to make an adjustment. Um, well, I mean, yes. it's it's going to be the, the total volume of the, the package. Yeah. Because, you know, it all reaches an equilibrium. Right. And so... You just got to take the total volume of the package into account. I think the thing that gets a little trickier is the existing CO2 in the liquid portion of that and the existing CO2 in the headspace of that. Yeah. And if you have more headspace, you can generate a higher partial pressure in the headspace, which can then diffuse back in to give you a little higher carbonation. Well, I mean, it, you know, you assume the pressure's. Uh, Essentially zero atmospheric, yeah, at at uh, when you seal the keg up. Yeah. And so you take the amount of CO2 that's already in the liquid, uh, CO2 that's already in the air that was sealed in, uh, and then how much CO2 you want to generate. It's the entire volume of the cylinder, right? Yeah. Because yeah. it's an equilibrium between both of them. So you, you need to just calculate for the entire cylinder. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, I don't know. I don't know how to address the remark though that um, you know the forums suggest half as much sugar as uh, as when bottling for say five gallons. Well, and, and the reason that they are is um, so 
in a bottle, your headspace is like 10% of the volume of the, mm-hmm. the bottle. Um, sometimes a little more, depends on the size of the bottle. In a keg, if you're filling the keg up darn near to the top, the, uh, the headspace is very minimal. So you're not off-gassing into that headspace as much. So that's, I think, what he was referring to. Okay. But, um, yeah, I, I, would, I would say it's possible to model. I would think that um, somebody could do it. Um, somebody with Perhaps time. Perhaps Beersmith has. I don't know. Well, that's yeah. what I was wondering. If something is uh, – Beersmith seems to be pretty robust about this right. sort of thing. Yeah, get, get, get Brad on it. Yeah, send the same question to Brad, who also does a podcast over on right. Beersmith, and um, he might be able to help you in the – if he doesn't have it in the software yet, he might be the guy to put it in there. Mm-hmm. So, there you go. Yep. Yeah. There you go. All right. Good question. All right. Daniel writes in, uh, I was in the Czech Republic earlier this year and really enjoyed the lagers there, many of which had faint traces of sulfur. I'm thinking in particular of the 10 Plato light lagers. How would a home brewer achieve this flavor? Is there a way to set the fermentation schedule to leave some sulfur behind, or is the yeast selection critical in this case? Any help would be greatly appreciated. Well, I mean, sulfur is kind of considered a flaw. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, I mean, a little bit of sulfur is considered okay for a lager, but you don't want a lot. Um, And generally, almost any lager yeast that you use, any lager fermentation always has, seems to have some traces of sulfur. I mean, it may be real subtle, but, you know, the yeast you use, you just need to use a lager yast. yeast. That is going to be part of the style. Right, yeast that, uh, you know, are fermentations that are stressed and the yeast are stressed, they'll produce more sulfur. And so, you know, I wouldn't say it's, I mean, for me, I would not be chasing after that. I think it's a flaw right. in the beer, not, uh, you know, a, a character you really want to try and achieve. And I think you get plenty just from using lager yeast. I mean, that's really one of the fundamental taste differences i think between a lager and an ale is is that background sulfur and you know the the lower esters so if he does want it just because mm-hmm. that's his flavor thing right does i don't know capping off the the i don't mean not letting it attenuate all the way but right. but actually sealing once it has attenuated not letting anything breathe out anymore yeah i think that would do that would enhance it um yeah. you know slower fermentations will enhance it oh, okay you know because it's not as vigorous it doesn't blow it off as well um again you know stressed fermentations will produce more sulfur hmm. so okay uh you know you could ferment uh colder and maybe get more sulfur retained retained yeah. um if you're meant yeah colder I would say. Okay. Yeah. Good question. All right, Trevor, do you want this one? This is a good one. You want this now? Yeah. (laughs) That sounds good. Well, Trevor writes in with a, he says in the title of his email, it's a quick dry humping question. Yeah, yeah, I saw that, and I'm like, hey, finally a topic I'm I'm uh, able to speak on uh, yeah. profusely. You want to get Jamil's attention. Yeah, I'm like, I opened that one first. <laughs> All right, so Jamil and the Palmer. Uh, I know uh, y'all are fans of dry hopping raw dog directly into the carboy. Oh, yeah. I think dry must... hopping raw dog. <laughs> okay. I'm going to translate. I think that means without any hop bags or anything, you just throw the pellets oh, into the... Oh, yeah. okay. Going right. commando. Yeah. So dry hopping raw dog <laughs> uh-huh. uh, directly into the carboy. <laughs> uh, but how do you prevent the hop pellet material from carrying over to the keg? Do you use a muslin bag or bubble CO2 to make them sink? I'm only trying to expose the beer to the hops for about three days, but I can't get them to sink naturally or via carboy swirly within that time period. Yeah, um, and then he ends up having flakes of pellets clog um, mm-hmm. different things, and he doesn't want it to happen again. <laughs> Clogging his post, <laughs> yes. yes, while he's dry hum- humping. Um, yeah, you know, if you're only dry hopping three days, it's difficult to get him to settle down. You know, if you're dry hopping a week, and then uh, you know, generally you can shake it a little bit, the CO two will release the hot pellet material and it'll sink down. Um, you know, a couple options you could. You could put a, you know, like a filter sock on the end of your racking cane and then rack from underneath the hot matter that's on the surface 
and draw through and probably get most of it uh, strained out that way. Um, or, uh, you know, yeah, you could, you could go ahead and, you know, if you're, if you're not going raw dog, I mean, <laughs> you could, you could, uh, you could put them in a bag, a tea bag or whatever. And, you know, you could tea bag it instead of dry. Yeah. It. I don't really understand the premise of the question because aren't you racking from the bottom of the keg anyway? So it's just when it gets down to the end. Uh, well, he's talking about out of the carboy, you know, there's a lot of it floating there. And then he's yeah. trying to transfer clear beer to the to the uh, keg. to the keg, yeah. And what happens is those little flakes of hot pellet, um, they will get drawn up. They will settle down in the keg when you when it's chilled for a week or two. They'll drop to the bottom, and, and they're real light. They'll get sucked up the, the draw tube, and it'll clog that tube up. Okay. What I used to do was just like remove the connector and then just jam something in the on the poppet and blow out whatever was sticking in there mm. um if you have a ton of it, it you'll jam up your entire en- entire draw tube oh, it'll okay. be impossible to get anything out and then you got to remove the tube clean that out put it back in right and that could be a real real hassle you could uh you know another possibility is what was the uh the clear beer gadget that we had that day on the show oh yeah uh, the um I forget what it was called and now, JP but it was, was a, talking about. a float that right. uh, suspended the dip tube. The Clear Beer Draft System. There you go. You Maybe can go you to clearbeerdraftsystem.com and check it out. And um, Yeah, because that basically takes your dip tube, and instead right. of drawing from the bottom, it, it floats it from, to, the top. from the top. Yeah. Right. So you could have as much tube as you want in the bottom, and right. it wouldn't matter. Right. So that might be a way to go. There you go. Because um, I, I like raw dog. well, it. too. Yeah, like Isinglass and stuff. That helps drop a lot of that matter. So right, right. And in the gelatin in the carboy Palmer, if you're going to use something in like the that. in the keg, too. in the keg, yeah, right. Yeah, if you if you use Isinglass or gelatin in your keg, because I mean, I I had a couple of batches that this was happening where dry hop and you know floaties in the beer all the time, and uh, so yeah, uh, using the gelatin and Isinglass helped you know drop it down and keep it. Keep it settled on the bottom of the keg. Okay. Uh, speaking of uh, dry humping, uh, Palmer, uh, you get enough raw dog or, uh, <laughs> or not quite enough? <laughs> I bet you'd uh, you love never, more. I think huh? everybody can get more. Yeah, right. That's right. That's right. Well, you go to Adam and Eve, adamandeve.com. They're going to give you more. Uh, use the offer code Jamel, J-A-M-I-L, at adamandeve.com, and they're going to give you 10 free gifts. You're going to get uh, uh, six full-length adult DVDs. You're going to get uh, a special surprise for her, a special surprise for him, or, you know, I bet you could talk him into, like, you know, two special surprises for her and two specials or two special surprises for him, <laughs> if that's the way you go. I don't see any reason that that would not be acceptable. There's always one selfish person in the in the couple. Right, right. Or triple, whatever. No, I mean any of the t- couple could be two women. The couple could be two men. Oh, I see. I'm just saying. Okay, I understand. Have to now. be a him and a her. Think about me, but right. now I get it. Right. <laughs> yeah. In your case, you would get two gifts for him, and you'd, you'd leave Kate suffering. Uh, she's used to it by now. Yeah. And and uh, and then uh, something for both of you to enjoy. Right. So that's like a double ender or something. I don't really. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're going to get free shipping on the whole thing. All you got to do, you go to adameve.com, you buy one thing, any one thing that you find there, uh, put that in your cart, use the offer code Jamel, J-A-M-I-L, and you're going to get the free 10 gifts along with the free shipping, free DVDs, all that stuff. Uh, Just check it out, adamandeve.com, and get all your raw dog uh, stuff going. Keep it raw dog, Trevor. There you go. (laughs) Thank you, Trevor, for helping us out with that one. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's take another short break. When we come back, we'll have more of your questions right after this. Beer tasting games that train your palate, a brewery locator, and the brand new interactive beer style guide. These are just a few of the awesome things you'll find on craftbeer.com. The style guide is a beautiful example of technology in beer. Browse beer style families or turn on the automatic beer style finder and explore beer through color, bitterness, ABV, aroma, and flavor. It's really the coolest way to explore every beer style besides having them all in front of you. Go to craft. 
craftbeer.com and click on Beer Styles to start the guide. Plus, enjoy the rest of craftbeer.com, the Brewers Banter blogs, beer education, how to host a beer tasting, and the invaluable Draft Quality Manual. Tons of great content that makes your beer better. Visit the new craftbeer.com right now and explore the website that brings you all the passion, camaraderie, and creativity of the craft beer community. Craftbeer.com, celebrating the best of American beer. A few things happened 30 years ago. Arfanet migrated to TCPIP and the internet was born. Revenge of the Jedi was renamed Return of the Jedi and opened in theaters. Mila Kunis and Emily Blunt were born, beginning a rad fantasy in my mind. But all of that pales next to the fact that Hop Tech opened its doors and began blowing homebrewers right out of their mash tuns. Hop Tech doesn't fuck around. Real people shipping awesome shit straight to you. Their new website is fast and easy to navigate. Or just call 800-379-4677 and let badass bitch Jade and the gadget guy Roberto blow their warm load of customer service all over you. So visit the site or visit the store in Dublin, California and support those that support you. Get your brewing on at hoptech.com. Hey, my brewing brothers and sisters. This is Jamel Zanishev, and I want to tell you about Heretic Evil Twin. You might be familiar with my homebrew recipe, which uses massive late hopping to create a balance between the malty sweet and the hoppy bitter, along with an outrageous malt and hop character. I wanted a beer with the same bold hop and malt character, so we played around with the homebrew recipe until we were able to make a great commercial version, too. We've created a beer rich in malt character, full of caramel, toast, biscuit, and an ever-so-subtle roast note. On top of that, we piled in an insane amount of citra and Columbus hops at the end of the boil, as well as in dry hopping. This damn-the-cost approach to hopping gives Heretic's Evil Twin a great blast of citrus and tropical fruit that can't be matched by any other hop. The result is a bold, malty, hoppy, but easy-drinking beer. This is our top seller, our flagship beer, and I couldn't be prouder of it. Cheers. To find Heretic Beers near you, click on Find Some at hereticbrewing.com. Williams Brewing is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality home brewing supplies. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and the freshest ingredients, backed by the best customer service in the business. Do you like to mash using efficient fly sparging, but would like an easy way to heat your strike and sparge water? Enter the new Brewer's Edge Electric Mash Water Heater, a plug-in, anywhere, precisely controlled heater for strike and sparge water ditch the fumes and second burner and make mashing easy go to williamsbrewing.com today and browse their vast selection that's williamsbrewing.com orders placed by 4 p.m pacific time weekdays ship the same day brewing is easy the williams way Back to the two guys that know how to turn beer into beer. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're back. Uh, and I'll tell you. Sure. Okay. Yeah, we're back. Sure. All right. All right. Sure. All right. Okay. All right. No, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, you know, there's a lot of fine programming on the Brewing Network. And I suggest you check it out. There's uh, the Dr. Homebrew, which I, I enjoy. They analyze beers, uh, you know, give recommendations on, you know, the quality. They judge them. Uh, there's uh, the Sour Hour. Uh, I sat in on an episode of Sour Hour recently with uh, Jay and uh, uh, Lauren Salazar was there from uh, uh, New Belgium. And I brought in some beers. Which, it was fantastic. I really enjoyed that. Uh, there's also... Um, the Sunday session, well, the Monday, the session, it's no longer a specific yeah, day. Yeah, I, I still do that. Yeah. Right. Um, that's been great. That's that's the uh, cornerstone of the whole thing. Mm. And then there's uh, the Bring With Style that we do, too. Mm-hmm. A lot of good stuff. Yeah. All for free. That's right. Check it out. Uh, lots of good stuff. TheBringNetwork.com. If you're downloading this, you can download the other ones. So yeah. there you go. We're, so. we're kind of, uh, Jamil, we're kind of the uh, <laughs> the forefront or the... 
foreskin of the uh, Brewing Network, I suppose. <laughs> there you go. Skin. Yeah. I, I always thought of us as the taint, but uh, yeah, <laughs> foreskin, that works. <laughs> All right. Next the question. All right. Uh, Mr. Picklefeather writes in. Oh, Mr. Picklefeather. Hello, gentlemen. It's me, Mr. Picklefeather. Do <laughs> you guys know this guy? Is he writing off? Ironic, of isn't oh, it? Oh, yeah. Okay. Mr. Picklefeather, who doesn't? He says, after the diacetyl rest, I like to cool my beers to around 45F to drop out as much yeast as I can. Does the speed at which I drop the temperature have any effect on the beer? Can I just set my fridge to 45 and walk away, or should I lower it at some uh, degree interval per day? Well, back, back in the day, I used to just crash cool everything, and I didn't think that there was a whole lot of difference. However... You're doing the yeast book, and my research turned up uh, that, especially when you're doing like a lager or something like that where you don't want a lot of esters, when you crash cool yeast, they will actually express more of those compounds that uh, become can become the fruity esters. Mm-hmm. It actually will increase the, the, the flavor profile of the beer. So if you're trying to make a clean lager or a clean ale and, and low ester, uh, you want to be careful of that and, and slowly lower the temperature so the yeast actually uh, don't express as much, I guess, or consume it or whatever they do, uh, so that you don't express as much uh, potential for esters into the beer. Yeah. Uh, but if you're making, you know, like some British ale or something like that, you know, slam the temperature away, I think, uh, not not a problem. Would you have a different opinion, John? No, that's that's consistent. Uh, with what I feel too, um, you will if uh, crash cooling will give you some shock um, proteins and and other compounds released from the yeast, and uh, so if you're yeah as you say for a light you know lager delicate flavors you know minimizing those is is best. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There you go. All right. RJ writes in, hey, guys, I was just listening to your episode on beer clarifying techniques, and I had a question about using gelatin. Uh, When do you deal with carbonation? I've been cold crashing and adding gelatin directly to secondary, so the beer's cleared out by the time I rack over to the keg and force carbonate. But it sounds like most people just add gelatin directly to the keg. So if you're adding gelatin to the keg, do you force carbonate beforehand? I'm concerned whether the gelatin would work uh, in a carbonated beer, basically. That's what he's getting at. So we think Palmer. Oh, uh, I don't know. I've never done it that way. Um, I always, always do the gelatin first and carbonate after. Yeah, um, it will work. Uh, you know, a, a number of brewers they'll, they'll throw the gelatin in and they'll use, uh, you know, CO two from the bottom to stir up and mix. Make sure the gelatin is mixed in uh, with the beer. So that's part of his worry. He says, I imagine that if I do the gelatin first and let it clear, mm-hmm. and then I force carbonate, mm-hmm. I'm going to stir up all the stuff that I just got to drop out of the beer. Well, it's- only if he has uh, a gas tube that goes to the bottom of the, of the keg. Okay. Otherwise, you know, you usually right. with a corny keg, you're injecting all the, ga- the CO2 in the headspace. Right? Yep. Okay. So on the top. So that shouldn't be a problem. Okay. Um, you know, and as far as like CO two and solution affecting the ability of the gelatin to clear the beer, that really shouldn't be a problem. Yeah. Couldn't you? Wouldn't you essentially do both? You you rack to a keg mm-hmm. before you seal it off. You put all your gelatin in. That's and, what people are doing. And yeah. then you stick the CO two on and leave it there, right? Till it carbonates. Yes. Okay. And it'll the gelatin will settle out and overnight. Yeah. Okay. And uh, yeah, you should get get clear beer. Oh, it's that fast, huh? Overnight. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And. Um, I mean, it's just the the thing to be aware. A lot of times, people say, "Well, yeah, gelatin didn't work for me," or you know, the beer's not that clear, or I'm getting a bunch of you know hazy, mucky stuff. If you use too much fining, uh, and this goes back to like you know that you know uh, a little is good, more must be better type of mentality. Uh, you want to use the right amount uh, for the the beer that you're you're brewing and. and it's going to be slightly different for different beers, but if you use way too much, you get what's called fluffy bottoms, and mm. you know it, it's uh, which you find on AdamandEve.com as well. Yeah. There's a whole DVD on that one, um, <laughs> and it's just you know it won't compact down at the bottom, and so you're going to draw off you know several pints of of mucky gelatin, you know fluffy yeah. bottoms. So you just got to be careful about that. 
All right. We need to squeeze in one last break here. And uh, we'll do that. We'll come back. We'll answer one more question right after this. The 21st Amendment. Watch out! Do you like beer? They make beer. Watch out! Do you like friends and fun? They make friends and fun. Watch out! Do you still like to have a good time? Twenty-first Amendment. Watch out! The Twenty-first Amendment in San Francisco, located at five six three Second Street, two blocks from the building where baseball is seen and played. Try their beers in the pub or try them in the can. Featuring monks made with real monk. Watch out! So why not have the best time of your life? Go to the twenty-one A and Sean O'Sullivan will personally greet you with a can of monks The Twenty-first Amendment. Watch out! This advertisement is not in any way affiliated nor associated with the 21st Amendment Bar and Pub, nor its subsidiaries or affiliates. This telecast is not copywritten by the 21st Amendment for the private use of the Brewing Network. Any use of this telecast without Jamil Zanishev's consent is prohibited. Suck it, JP. Your support of the Brewing Network means everything to us. We couldn't produce shows without you. And we love giving you something extra for that support, like... Brew Your Own Magazine. You already know it's a great brewing magazine full of recipes, equipment how-tos, discussions of beer styles, and brewing techniques. Whether you're new to brewing and just starting out or you're an old pro, you'll always learn something from the articles in Brew Your Own. Plus, there are amazing special issues like plans for building a Brutus 10 system, 250 classic clone recipes, and the Home Brewer's Answer Book. Brew Your Own Magazine and BYO.com are awesome resources for any brewer whether for yourself or as a gift when you subscribe or resubscribe from the brewing network homepage, you directly support programs like this get a great magazine and support the brewing network subscribe to brew your own right from the brewing network.com heard about white labs pure pitch yeast pure pitch is yeast grown right in its final packaging that means yeast that has never been exposed to the environment and white labs pure pitch yeast for home brewers is now available to everyone at homebrew retailers nationwide easy to use perfectly sized and ready to pitch White Labs yeast packaged using their FlexCell process ensures the purest yeast on the market. Visit whitelabs.com to learn more about PurePitch, FlexCell technology, and how it's created. Then visit a homebrew retailer near you for your own perfectly sized package of PurePitch yeast. And you can say hello to your own little friend. www.whitelabs.com Williams Brewing is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality home brewing supplies. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and the freshest ingredients, backed by the best customer service in the business. Do you like to mash using efficient fly sparging, but would like an easy way to heat your strike and sparge water? Enter the new Brewer's Edge Electric Mash Water Heater, a plug-in, anywhere, precisely controlled heater for strike and sparge water. Ditch the fumes and second burner and make mashing easy. Go to williamsbrewing.com today and browse their vast selection. That's williamsbrewing.com. Orders placed by 4 p.m. Pacific time weekdays ship the same day. Brewing is easy the Williams way. to brew has never been so disgusting this is brew strong all right we're back and i'll tell you one of the things that uh, really has stood me well through all my home brewing and professional brewing aha membership i think that's one of the things that i i found early on and it really has been one of the benefits that uh, you know it, it really helped me you know find the larger community of uh, homebrewers as well. Yep, and uh, really has given me a lot 
of uh, valuable information. You know, the Zymergy magazine you get. Um, I use the uh, pub discount program to pay for my my membership over and over. And then uh, you get the, the, the AHA rallies that are free. You get uh, you know, so many great things, plus uh, all they do to uh, help protect the interests of homebrewers in uh, – you know, in the legislature, they, you know, they're always kind of act as a, a bit of a watchdog to make sure nothing strange is going on to, mm-hmm. to take away your, your rights. So I think it's, it's well, well worth being a member and uh, couldn't be easier. You go to thebrewingnetwork.com and you'll see the AHA link there. You click that, you sign up through that. A little piece of the pie goes back to the Brewing Network, helps keep a show like this on the air. And then the rest goes to the AHA paying for what they do and keeping them busy. And you get all those great benefits. Uh, Zymer G Magazine alone is worth the price of the uh, the membership. So, And by the way, the Hop Grenade right here is part of the pub program. You there get a discount go. here. Probably nice. at Heretic Tap House. At Heretic, you get a uh, an AHA discount as well. Yeah. There you so go. You can, you can quickly pay for your membership that way and just discounts on the things you buy. All right. Uh, one last question. There we go. Christopher writes in. This one's titled Water Chemistry. So he says, uh, yeah, he says this question's probably for John because I'm sure Jamil just rolled his eyes as soon as he saw the subject line. Um, and although I agree with Jamil that the final and most important arbiter of anything the brewer does should be the flavor of the beer, my personality and desire to understand chemistry behind the beer forces me to ask the question. So when I see recipe formulations that include water chemistry adjustments, they rarely, if ever, mention treating the sparge water. I understand the importance of acidifying the sparge water to keep the pH from rising too high and potentially extracting tannins. But isn't it also important to mineralize the sparge water um, or possible to uh, or possible boil kettle uh, to keep your target mineral concentrations constant? Otherwise, your wort water chemistry would not match your mash water chemistry due to the dilution from the untreated sparge water. Um, and he goes on. So what yeah, do you think? But John? that is essentially correct. Um, you know, especially if you are, um, trying to target an overall water profile for the beer, um, whether it's, you know, say high sulfate for an IPA, high chloride for a lager, for a Bach or something like that, or, you know, just the overall residual alkalinity of that water, um, then, you know, the short answer is yes, you would want to mineralize the sparge water as well and you know in other words treat all of the water the same that's going into that going into the process however um with that in mind you can take some shortcuts if you understand kind of like the next level down for instance um if you are brewing with a very soft water um that doesn't have a lot of minerals in it, doesn't have much alkalinity to it, then um, that water is not going to raise the mash pH or the the grain bed pH, the runnings pH, very much as you sparge. Um, And so you can hold off mineralizing uh, the sparge water because really um, the mineralization of the sparge water is not going to do... Um, much in terms of controlling the mash pH or the runnings pH um, during the sparge unless you use a lot. Um, You have to have calcium levels um, up around 200 ppm to really do that. So, but because, you know, you're, you're sparging with a low alkalinity water, you know, a rise in pH is not a, a big concern and you can hold off on adding that remaining amount of mineral to until the boil kettle and then just say, okay, I sparged with four gallons of water. I'll add four gallons worth of salts to the boil kettle to make up that difference. Um, And so uh, that's one way to address it. Um, Likewise, you you can, if you are going to acidify your sparge water to prevent pH rise, there again, that acidification is going to be more effective at controlling the runnings pH uh, from the mash than if you were to add your minerals to the sparge water. So you can, again, hold off on adding those minerals until you get to the boil kettle 
and just do it based on the total volume that you added. I hope that kind of clears it up. Clear as a bell to me. Okay. Yeah, I think if he rewinds and plays and rewinds and plays a couple of dozen times, he'll he'll it'll be it'll be absolutely uh, absolutely clear. <laughs> I think. I think. Uh, no, I I would agree with uh, John. Uh, you know, you can you can. Uh, it isn't necessarily critical to do it to the sparge water. Um, you know, as long as you're acidifying, you know, so your pH isn't rising, rising in your mash as you sparge, you know, as long as the total amount of minerals that are in the, the, the kettle are the correct ones for what you're targeting, then it could be thrown into the kettle even. It doesn't really necessarily need to go to the mash. Um, I would have the one caveat that I think he mentioned people were giving recipes with, you know, water treatments. Mm-hmm. Um, be very careful of that because, right. again, somebody may be, you know, basing it off of one thing or another. If you treat the water, you know, a lot of it, uh, uh, you know, will be remaining in the mash. And, you know, if you took that amount of minerals and added it just to the kettle, eh, that could be a problem. Yeah. Um, so just be careful of recipes that talk about water adjustments because, you know, it really doesn't take into account your water and your situation, you know. So you want to take it with a grain of salt, would you say? I don't yes. Know. It's, it, it's very easy to oversalt your beer. Right. Uh, so, you know, you really got to understand um, what your source water contains, exactly how much you're adding, you know, to hit what sort of target. Um, and, you know, understand, you know, where you're starting from, where you're trying to go. And how how you're going to get there before you add a lot of salts to your beer? Mm-hmm. Well, and uh, you know, with the drought in California, uh, you know what is normally a very steady water source for us, uh, the mineral uh, content has been changing uh, over oh, time, yeah. uh, and so uh, we've been you know we check our water weekly. Uh, we have uh, well Lamotte uh, Pro test kits. And we go through and check our water weekly, and that kind of gives us information as to uh, some adjustments that we need to do. Uh, and generally, it's you know just the addition of some more uh, acid for uh, maintaining the the proper pH in our mash, and therefore in the final beer. Uh, but you know, I find that really useful. And I think you know we should do a a full show on just you know the process of testing your water and. You know, adjusting it, yeah. adjusting it from there. You know, what, what does that tell you? Okay, here's what you're going to need to do. This is where you start, and because um, I think that's kind of a, a black hole for a lot of people. Um, you know, just testing water is is something that they find to be difficult. Yeah, it so, sounds bizarre. Right. But. All right. So you know that'll be a future show. We'll we'll knock that one out for you eventually. We'll put it on, on the list. <laughs> All right, another fine show. Um, thank you, John. Uh, You're thank you, Justin. Thank you, Bebo. You're welcome. Uh, we uh, had a lot of fun. Hope you did mm-hmm. too. Uh, make sure to support our sponsors if you want to keep having fun and uh, hearing good information like this. Uh, BlickmanEngineering.com. Go there. Uh, check out all their goodies. You can uh, give them feedback on, on what you think of the show, what you think of uh, their products at feedback at BlickmanEngineering.com. And uh, check out the AHA. Check out the Brewing Network store. One of the best things you can do uh, to support this and to give yourself a great gift, go to the Brewing Network store, thebrewingnetwork.com slash store. Lots of goodies in there. If you're being forced to listen to this in the car by your spouse, you know what your spouse needs for Christmas. Some goodies from the Brewing Network store. Go to the Brewing Network store. Just use order. offer code J-A-M-I-O. <laughs> right. Go to Get yourself uh, some hoodies, some hats, some shirts, all those good things. You get yourself a nice gift, and it keeps this programming on the air, which I'm sure that person that's forcing you to listen to this in the car for hours on end uh, would want you to do. So uh, check that out, uh, and it's much appreciated. Until then, everyone, Bruce Strong. Bruce Strong, everybody. 